grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's an unsettling vision, to say the least. When you're driving into Spokane, Washington, along Interstate 90, from a distance, it looks like any other city, nice, lovely city laid out, but as you get closer and you look to the north, you see a mural. It's about 50 feet tall on the side of a building, and it is just staring back at you, and it is spooky. The picture that you see, and there's a, a picture of it on the front of your worship folder. It didn't come out great in the, in the printing, but you kind of get the gist. It's this giant mural, the king of glory, it says. And this is an artist's rendition of, of a picture from the book of Revelation. Here is Jesus in all of his terror and his fury. He's got the white hair flowing back and the, the gleaming eyes and his, his robe is red and he's on top of this stallion. It is horrifying. And of course, people in town just love it, right? Um, a couple of years ago, the weekly paper, the Inlander, put out a thing, you know, all of its best of things, you know, best restaurant, best coffee shop, etc. And then it had best reason to hit Spokane and keep on driving. <laughs> was this mural. I'll just quote from it a little bit. They said, there's that freakish monarch blasting out of the side of the building, his eyes ablaze, riding what appears to be an epileptic stallion. King of glory, more like king of zombies, is what it says. And it says, murals are normally put on buildings to sell blue jeans or rolling tobacco or laundry soap. This one seems to have been put up to scare tourists. It's an unsettling vision, to say the least. And you know what? When we heard this morning's gospel, this vision that Jesus lays out of the end times, it's pretty unsettling too. And a little bit disturbing. Jesus talks about first the imminent destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which in fact happened in 70 AD. But he doesn't stop there. He, he almost depicts that and describes that as a, 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 an anticipation of the greater terror that is to come on all creation, people fainting with foreboding, he says, as there are signs in the sun and moon, and you read that and you hear that, Lord, what are you, what are you trying to tell us here? And what are we supposed to take away from, from these visions? How should we understand these anticipations and prophecies of the end times? Now, you don't need me to tell you that there are all sorts of interpretations out there, right? And people make a lot of hay and make a lot of money with different ideas about these end-time pictures. There are movies. There are series of books. There are all sorts of things about what are we to make of these end-times visions. In fact, uh, one of my favorite authors, G.K. Chesterton, he has a quote somewhere. He says, St. John in his vision, the book of Revelation, says he saw many strange monsters in his vision, but St. John saw no creature so wild as one of his own commentators. <laughs> People will read these visions in the book of Revelation and these words from Jesus, and they will take all sorts of things from it. But my question for you this morning is, what should we make of them? What should we make of these end times visions of our Lord? There's all sorts of answers that are given. Let's consider a couple of them. 
and see if we can't discern what our Lord would, would have for us. So one approach or one answer to that question, what should we make of these visions, these end times prophecies, is that we should look away from them. We should ignore them. Jesus says some pretty scary stuff, and maybe we just need to turn away and not look. And I'm sympathetic with that. I actually think that's a pretty understandable position to take, particularly in our day where there is almost a kind of violence voyeurism, isn't there? You follow the news, you watch TV, you read the papers, you get God help you on social media. And there are constantly reminders of the violence that is all around us throughout the world. It's coming at you from every angle. And there's part of me that sees all of that and says, you know what? I just want to hole up. I want to bunker down and not pay attention to any of it anymore. And then when we hear it in our own scriptures, these visions of violence with a religious cast to them, you say, you know what, Jesus? I just, I can't do it. I need to look away. There's other parts of the Bible that I'm going to read, that I'm going to attend to. But when this gets lifted up, I, I just need to stay away away from it and just worry about it some other day or let other people worry about it. And when the time comes, Lord, I trust that, that you'll take care of it. I'm sympathetic to that position. I got to be honest. I mean, there's really something to be said for, you know what? I'm saved. I know that Jesus loves me and that I'm good. But as for all this other stuff, I'm just going to look away. But as understandable as that position is, I think it has some real deep-seated problems as well. I mean, imagine if you were in a, a town, and this isn't so hard to imagine on the west coast of Michigan nowadays, imagine that you were in a town and a hurricane was about to blow through. And you knew that you had neighbors that don't pay attention to the news, that don't listen to things that are going on. And if they pay attention to the weather at all, it's just in a spotty sort of way. Maybe it's elderly folks or folks who you know just aren't going to be aware of the imminent storm and destruction that is upon them. And you think to yourself, you know what? I just got to get mine. I got to make sure that, that me and mine are going to be safe. You know what? I'll pray for them. I hope that it goes okay for them, but I'm just going to get out of Dodge. Now, would that be a, a loving response? Simply to say, I'm going to get mine. I'm, I know that I'm going to be okay. I'm going to protect myself. But as for all these other folks that are in harm's way, well, I'll just leave them be. Of course not. You know that you would go and be knocking on doors and saying, hey, we got to get out of here. Don't you see the storm that's coming? It's coming right for us. Something similar is there when Jesus lifts up these visions. I think they're there to warn you and me and for us to speak that word of warning to others. Hey, look, this is what could be in store for us. Listen to what he has to say. Don't turn away from it, as tempting as it is. Now, I will say, if you want to turn away from and turn off your social media and the TV and all that other violence voyeurism, I'm all for it. Okay, I'm all for it. But as citizens, as readers of the scriptures, we need to attend to what Jesus says here. We need to look at it. We can't look away in love for our neighbors to hearken to these end times visions. So we've got to reject that first answer. What are we to make of these end times prophecies? Some people say, well, just ignore them, look away. We can't do it. In love, we have to look there because we need to be able to share this word of warning with others and even to hear it for ourselves. So a second response, second answer to that question, what should we make of these visions? 
goes in the other direction. It says, no, we shouldn't be looking away. We should be looking at these visions. In fact, we should be gawking and gaping at them. We should be reading almost nothing else from the Bible. There are those for whom the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, these end times pictures, it seems to be their daily bread of scripture reading. And you know what? There's something to that as well. Jesus says multiple times, especially toward the end of the Gospels, when he's getting into these prophecies and these visions of the future, one of the things he says over and over again is, look, watch, don't look away. You're going to be tempted to, but no, keep alert, keep awake, watch. And so for those who say, yes, we need to be looking at, we need to be staring at, we need to be even gawking at these visions, I get it. Jesus tells us as much. We need to pay attention to it. I mean, they're captivating in their own right, and the Lord himself even gives us that warrant for attending to them closely and carefully. But this, too, has some real issues. And I think maybe even more so in our kind of Christian culture in America, you see this attitude too often, where people will look at these visions, will read these passages of Scripture, and will almost treat them like a Ouija board or something. You guys remember the Ouija board? You know, that we can, we can read these prophecies and we can kind of discern some particular details about when Jesus is coming back. Or maybe we can read the newspaper and discern through that, oh, I can see this is how this prophecy is unfolding in the geopolitical scene in our world right here. It's, it's just like Jesus talks about here. But this is not the purpose and the intention of these visions that the Lord lifts up for us. It's not for us to try and play with it, to, to sift through it and see if we can figure out, okay, Jesus, I know that you said that nobody knows the day or the hour, that not even you, but maybe if I just look carefully enough, if I just have the right code, then I can decode these visions. That's not the purpose of them either, folks. Author David Schmidt writes this, he says, knowing when it will all happen, that Jesus speaks of, isn't what's important here. Knowing that it will happen is. Jesus offers us this vision of the end times, not so that we might be drawn into it, but so we might be drawn through it to come closer to him. Not so that we might be drawn into it, into that vision, but so that we might be drawn through it, to come closer to him. And that brings us to a third and final answer to this question. What should we make of these end times visions? No, we shouldn't be looking away and just neglecting them. Neither should we just be looking at them and being drawn into them. Instead, I want to say, we ought to be looking through them. Looking through them. What do I mean by that? We'll go back to that terrifying, spooky mural in the, the side of the building in Spokane. The king of glory, the king of zombies. Well, listen, behind that facade of fury is a heart of mercy. See, that five-story high mural is on the side of a building called the Pioneer Pathway House. And inside of that building, there are all kinds of actions of mercy being done by Pioneer Human Services, a nonprofit organization in Spokane. They attend to people with, with mental illness, help to rehabilitate 
prisoners who have, just, who have just gotten out of prison. They care for the poor and the marginalized and the homeless. They tend to all of those folks who are the most, in the most need of mercy in the community. On the outside, it's this terrifying picture that tells people just keep on moving. But on the inside of that building, if we were able to look through that mural, what we would see is a heart of mercy for those who are most in need of it. Something similar is happening here. See, Jesus lifts up these visions of the end time, not so that we would look away and not so that we would stare at them, but so that you and I would look through them, that we would get beyond that facade of fury and see a heart of mercy in our Savior Jesus, who is not only the King of glory, but also the Lord of love. He lays that out for his disciples right here. In the midst of these terrifying pictures, he tells them, not a hair of your head will perish. Fear not. There are all sorts of things in our world and in our time to get us upset about. Out there in the, the world scene, on the political landscape, and wars and rumors of wars, not to mention the things that are going on in your own life, the things that terrify you, issues with our, our health and with our finances, problems with family and neighbors, and you start to wonder. You think about, Lord, this life is so vulnerable. It's terrifying. Frankly, it's a pretty unsettling vision every day when I wake up. But the message here from our Lord Jesus for you and me is if we can look through all of that, what you and I see is a loving king who reigns over all creation for the sake of your salvation and mine and that of our neighbors. Jesus tells us this so that we wouldn't be surprised, but instead that in the midst of it, we would know right where to look, into the eyes and into the heart of our great good shepherd who is with you through the valley of the shadow. And the Lord goes one step further. He says, and when these things come, when you see all of these seeming terrors around you, don't huddle and don't hide. But instead, Jesus says, stand up, lift up your eyes because your redemption is drawing near. In the midst of all of these frightening things around us, you and I can stand up straight and lift up our eyes because we have a Savior who went down into death for you and for me, who has lifted up all your sin, all of the things that would give us cause for guilt and shame and fear. He has taken it all away. And we have this lovely line from one of our Christmas carols, once in Royal David City. It says, on that day when we see our Lord Jesus come again for you and me, you shall not see him in this terrifying picture of the King of glory. But when at last our eyes shall see him through his own redeeming love. Right now, so often we see him through these frightening visions. But a day is coming that you and I need not fear when you will see your Savior full in the face through the lens of of his own redeeming love. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing.